welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown. I am your time lost of a host, Gary, here to entertain and inform you about the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries, with my lovely wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. Hello, Goldie Ann. Hello, Gary. How are you today? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing really well, thank you. That's good. Ready to work on our next podcast. Absolutely. And I have special news to put out that for those of our listeners in the Central Florida area, we wanted to announce that we will be attending the Spooky Empire Conference on June 17th through the 19th of this year. This is to be held at the Wyndham Orlando Resort in Orlando, Florida. We've reserved a table to talk with those interested in cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. We're also planning on bringing some surprises, so you don't want to pass it up. Yeah, just a few fun little things. Yeah, and we're coming up with new ideas each time we talk about it. <laughs> so, if you're in the area, or know of anyone in the area with a taste for horror or science fiction, tell them to check it out and visit us. I'm going to place a link for more details, which will be in our show notes. Now, for our humor of the week, Goldie Ann. Uh-oh. I mean, okay. Wow, why is it such trepidation every time? <laughs> have you heard some of your jokes? I have. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm ready. And I'm hilarious. But, <laughs> do you know why the alien could not pay attention to what his friend was saying? No. He was spaced out. Wow. Yeah, okay. See? Hilarious. Very, absolutely hilarious. Well, good job. For today's episode, I want to let everyone know that it contains stories about abductions and experimentations that may be disturbing to some listeners. We are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe just a little. Listener discretion is always advised. So now, if you are ready, let's take a walk within the mist. A woman and two teenagers are traveling from their home for her to change her future. However, before any of them have gotten very far, they would experience something far more intense that would truly change their future in a direction they had not expected. Uh -oh. Today, we will discuss the Larson Incident. Chapter 1, Heading Out. 4 a.m. is an incredibly early hour to be traveling down a stretch of road along I-94 towards Bismarck, North Dakota. The sun hasn't even begun to rise and the traffic is non-existent. You can feel completely alone driving mile after mile, but that was exactly what Sandra Larson was doing on the date of August 26, 1975. She was making the 196-mile journey from her home in Fargo to take a real estate test to become an agent aiding her community with the buying and selling of homes. It's a long trip. I guess in 1975, it was very difficult to schedule and yeah, take these are, real estate tests. Gosh. She had new goals and new hopes in her mind of you know making her rich in the real estate game. Right. And she wasn't alone as she was driving with her 15-year-old daughter, Jackie, beside her. Jackie's boyfriend, Terry O'Leary, agreed to join them and sat on the other side of the teenager. They had only begun the long drive and were still at about 45 miles out of Fargo. 
The teenagers were sleepy, but Sandra's positivity and excitement at her upcoming prospects had everyone in a good mood. The trio had no inclinations that their lives were about to be turned upside down when they saw a bright flash in the still black southern sky. Mm -mm. Catching their attention, all three stared in disbelief as eight to ten glowing objects with smoke around them descended and headed east in their direction. The balls of light seemed white at first, but glowed more orange as they moved closer and closer. One of the orbs was conspicuously larger than the others, and the observers had the feeling that the other smaller objects had come from within the larger one in some undetermined fashion. There was a crack of thunder in the distance that rattled the car and the road beneath it. The volume of the roaring only increased louder and louder as the lights grew brighter and drew closer to the vehicle. These unidentified flying objects descended above a grove of trees only 20 yards away, only to perform an aerial maneuver not possible for meteors, satellites, or airplanes, as they froze in mid-air and remained completely motionless. Wow. The orbs remained lined one beside another above the grove for a few moments before half of them shot away without warning into the night it left the remaining four orbs behind to begin closing in on the sole vehicle on the highway. Hmm. A stunned Sandra brought her car to a stop as the mysterious bright lights came closer. The teenagers beside her and she could only watch in disbelief until, without warning, it was then that a complete feeling of disorientation overwhelmed all three of them. <laughs> what? So the little thing fell over and made a noise and I jumped. <laughs> I was listening to your story. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I never jump at anything. <laughs> I did warn you, listener discretion is advised. That's hilarious. I'm well, sorry. It's okay. Now for Sandra and her daughter, they would later describe the experience as feeling stuck as if frozen in a block of ice within the car against their will as they sat motionless. None of them were able to move or respond to what was happening around them for a second or two. The only action they seemed to still be able to control was to watch out of the front car window until the remaining balls of light vanished, abruptly ending the peculiar experience. The fog began to dissipate from Sandra's mind and she discovered that she was finally able to move again from the feeling of being mentally and physically frozen to her car seat. It was then that she discovered that she was no longer in the front of the vehicle behind the wheel, but instead alone in the back seat. That's weird. Her daughter Jackie, who was seated beside her in the front seat only a moment previously, had now replaced her in the driver's seat. Oh, she's only 14. She can't drive. Well, luckily the car was stopped, and I think they had other boyfriend. more pressing. He was still in the location okay. that he was supposed to be, <laughs> on the passenger side in the front seat. Okay. So somebody forgot to put them back in the right order. <laughs> Someone or something. But that's not the end of the story. Chapter 2, Lost Time. There was a panicked conversation and some hysteria at first, 
But Sandra knew it was safest for the three of them to continue down the I-94 and away from whatever the lights in the sky had been. They were all in some form of shock, and the silence became deafening. Sandra felt disoriented, but prayed that the nightmare was now over and they were safe. They decided to stop as they reached the nearest gas station now that they all had time to calm down and recollect their thoughts. The trio sat within the car of the still-closed gas station and discussed their strange sighting and assessing the situation. They were trying to make sense of it. Sandra was unsure if they should continue with the trip and decided to check the time. Their confusion would then turn into pure panic as they discovered that an hour had passed since their encounter with the bright lights. Time had passed that they couldn't account for. In their minds, they were positive that the events only occurred over a few minutes, but seemingly over an hour of their lives had been stolen. Wow. Thoroughly upset by what had occurred, all three decided not to continue with the road trip and drove back to her home in Fargo. Each of the eyewitnesses tried to make sense out of what had happened. Distressed by the time loss and the unexplained switching of seats, Sandra tried to find someone who could help. She eventually telephoned investigators from the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization, also known as the APRO. Realizing that there may be a way to retrieve what had happened to her during the missing time, the agents introduced her to the professor of psychology at the University of Wyoming, a Dr. R. Leo Sprinkle. Almost a year before, Dr. Sprinkle had made a name for himself within the paranormal field, as he was the hypnotist who had worked with a similar eyewitness, Carl Higdon. The work together unearthed buried memories of the oil man being abducted and taken to another world by an alien race. Sandra feared what Dr. Sprinkle would discover, but her desire for answers motivated her to hope that the doctor would be able to do for her what he had already done for Carl Higdon. She spoke with the professor for an extended period, and it was decided to try mental hypnosis to bring out the buried memories from that night. Under hypnosis, Dr. Sprinkle revealed a series of events that Sandra couldn't fully consider while conscious. These awakened memories would prove to be worse than anything she could have imagined. From their sessions the following December, and under the strict supervision of Dr. Sprinkle, it was revealed that during Sandra's missing time, she had been abducted from her vehicle on the highway. She had been brought aboard an alien craft unlike anything that she could remember. Terry, the teenage boyfriend, did confirm the sightings of the light orbs and the peculiar sensations of motionless associated with it during their travel from Fargo. However, he declined Dr. Sprinkle's offer to explore the incident any further. He had no memories of the lost time and no desire of exposing himself to the terrors that might be left better buried in his mind. Yeah, he sounded like a boy. A punk who just didn't want to believe anything had happened. <laughs> Well, Jackie, her daughter, would agree and undergo the same hypnotic procedure, but separately from her mother. The young girl recalled getting out of her mother's car as though she was in a trance and not in control of her body. 
Luckily for her, she remained standing at the side of the I-94, frozen like a statue, and she never entered the glowing orb spaceship. Wow. Sandra's recollections were altogether darker, though hazy and disoriented at the time. Under a deep, meditative sleep, the woman tried to depict the events that took place to the best of her ability. Chapter 3, Returned Memories That's pretty cool. I mean, you know, not cool, but very interesting. I'm not really into aliens, so all this kind of stuff is new for me. That's very interesting. Okay. Well, then you're going to be very interested in these memories. Uh Uh-oh. These were memories once forgotten, now returned, and she recalled being outside the car in a state of paralysis. Her body was lifted into the air and levitated towards one of the UFOs, with Terry beside her. Terry the boy, right? Terry the boyfriend, leaving Jackie, the daughter, behind by the car. Once inside the glowing orb, Sandra lost sight of her daughter's boyfriend, and she was transported to a different part of the spacecraft and into an exam room. Their mother remembered looking up and terrified to discover a being over six foot tall staring down at its prisoners with maniacally shimmering eyes. The alien thing methodically began to strip away her clothes in a cold scientific manner, and then it proceeded to give her a complete medical examination. Sandra seemed to be conscious and yet dreamlike while remembering vividly the operating table where this had taken place and the alien that conducted the examination. According to her, while still in her hypnotic state, the creature had large, bulging eyes that stared out of a head converged completely in elastic wrappings like a mummy. That's interesting. It seemed to resemble a cybernetic space mummy and not completely organic with arms made from multiple jointed strips of metal. What? Gets even better. Because Sandra described the alien's arms as being from a Meccano set. This is a British version of the metal toy building erector set kits, which first came on the market 15 years before its counterpart. Hmm. Each of the alien's limbs seemed to bend off into various and random directions. They had an ability to move independently and its body was covered in what she described as brown vinyl. The paralyzed and now nude abductee was still unable to move a muscle. All she could do was stare in silent horror as the inhuman thing continued its cold examination of her. She could feel the freezing rigid digits of the bizarre being scratch across her bare skin. Sandra was able to depict the being performing several strange experiments on her, such as rubbing a clear liquid, possibly an antiseptic, on her body before initiating the strange procedures. Her eyes widened with dread as she felt like a prey trapped by its hungry predator. The bandaged being drew a menacingly extended instrument towards her face. The device resembled a knife with a long-edged surface. Without any sign of remorse, it then went ahead to use the metal tool by inserting it into one nostril and slowly moving it deeper and deeper into her nasal cavity. It then worked to gather a skin sample from her by scraping the inside of her nostril cavity, 
causing Sandra to feel a jolt of pain that exploded through her skull. Jesus. Sandra prayed for this nightmare to end, but fell into a panic as the monstrous mummy obtained another instrument and moved it downwards along her torso. It paused for only a moment before it sliced open her abdominal cavity, pulling out her organs one by one to the clear approval of the being's nearly identical and equally profane colleagues. Under hypnosis, Sandra described the ordeal as though she was being dissected like a frog in a high school science lab. Maybe because she was? Unfortunately, <laughs> this is true, but God. she was also conscious through the whole thing. Ugh. At one point, Sandra even felt as if her entire brain was being removed from her skull. An alien device was brought over to be placed on her head, securing it like a crown above her forehead. The woman could feel the apparatus cut around the perimeter of her skull before exposing her brain for the alien examiner to remove the organ. She felt as if her head would explode, dizzy and nauseous, yet she remained aware the entire time that her body was detached from her brain. Perhaps her consciousness was artificially preserved by the alien technology. Or, these sensations were hallucinations created in her mind in an attempt to explain her experiences during the experiments performed on her. After a point, her brain had been returned to her head and reinserted. Then, she and Terry, whom she did not recall seeing inside the UFO, were returned to their car still on the highway with the stationary Jackie standing beside it. All conscious memory of the incident vanished pushed back into her subconscious. Physically, her body was absent from any physical scars from her ordeal. It was only the mental ones that remained. <laughs> They're the most damaging. <laughs> At this point, yes. Sandra had her answers, as terrible as they were, but now she felt a need to share them. Chapter 4, Revealing Her Story after the hypnotic sessions, Dr. Sprinkles and Mrs. Larson soon went public with their discovery, and the skeptics at once came out and cried out hoax. They cited a clear coincidence that the October 20th of 1975 airing of a made-for-television movie about the Betty and Barney Hill abduction case sounded too much like Mrs. Larson's own experience. The Hill abduction case, for those who may not be aware, was the first modern alien abduction case to capture public attention. It instilled the idea that people may have been abducted for medical and scientific experiments by aliens. This television movie had gained much national attention with a cast that included James Earl Jones starring in it. Cool. Mufasa. <laughs> Before he was Mufasa. <laughs> So you can see that this movie would have been very highly publicized and should have been known enough for the mother and daughter to have taken notice. Mm. The skeptics argued that the Hill case and the movie helped her concoct the story as Sandra and or her daughter would have had known of the upcoming movie event and even seen it before contacting the APRO. Critics claimed that she was just out to gain some manner of fame or fortune with the growing popularity of alien abduction cases. On the other side, supporters of the Larson abduction argued the opposite opinion. 
It was their view that the Hill movie supplied support and inspiration enough to convince Sandra and her daughter to come forward. This was because they knew that there was others that shared in their experience. The movie acted as a catalyst to people that they were not alone with their experiences of being abducted. Knowing that they were not alone supplied the two of them the courage to tell their true story much like a victim of a spousal abuse would be more likely to come forward knowing that there were others who shared in her experiences. Without the publicity of the Hill abduction case and its movie, supporters felt that Sandra may never have come forward with her abduction. Even after the case was brought to the public attention, Sandra was never awarded any book deals or movie of the week, so there was no reason to claim that she was out to make money. Right. The incident never gained her one dime, and the only fame she received was ridicule and humiliation. But she never changed her story. If this was a plot to become famous or rich, it failed miserably. The only thing that did come out of this case, and Sandra's testimony, was the possibility of a true-life alien abduction. Now, regardless of skeptics and supporters, in the years since the encounter in those early hours before dawn of 1975, the belief in the story of Sandra Larson and the alien spacecrafts has faded. According to many paranormal researchers, the Larson incident has become one of the best known but least believable UFO encounters. So does that mean that the, the scientists believe it and the people don't? Or no one believes it. Pretty much no one believes it. So not it. even the scientists. But it did change how scientists look at UFO cases. Mm. Chapter 5, The Changing of the Science. Now, the Sandra Larson incident did have one powerful effect on the scientific community, whether it's true or not. Before this, the scientific community, which investigates such phenomenon, now consider the psychological effects, such as emotional trauma involved in cases of UFO abductions. They see that these trauma is actually evidence. Yeah, shit. Since its beginning, the field of UFOlogy has always been divided into two camps. There are those who try to examine the phenomenon of UFOs and the alleged alien encounters from a scientific perspective, collecting hard data. And then there are those who approach these experiences more from a spiritual or mental angle. Scientific investigators have worked through the years to study these cases as either genuine visitations by extraterrestrials, utilizing physical evidence, or as mental hallucinations caused by sleep paralysis or misidentifications of natural phenomena, basically the weather balloon. It always had to be one or the other explanation. The Sandra Larson case was one of the first to be examined by both sides. And because of that, it is now considered that genuine visitations leave evidence in the mental effects of those that experience it. And these can be as strong as any physical evidence. Like a footprint, the mental effects of a person who is abducted by aliens could be just as supportive as proof of alien existence. The Larson case would eventually lead to a partial melding of the two groups, which has continued into the modern era of the UFO investigations. Scientists now not only look for 
physical evidence, they also look for mental effects as proof of the alien encounters. I think that would be worse. <laughs> the mental effects? Oh, yeah. Agreed. UFO investigations now take evidence that something scientific, even if not completely verifiable, can occur which would affect the psyche of the eyewitnesses. Much like the effect of PTSD happens to soldiers during wartime. You don't have to have the effects of combat to prove that these soldiers have gone through war. Oh. The mental scars supplying proof that the eyewitness experienced something even if it's too terrible for their conscious minds can manage. This is what has happened to Sandra Larson. To those who lived through the Larson incident, Sandra would later claim that she felt decidedly more intelligent following the neurological procedure. So there was a silver lining in this. (laughs) She believed that perhaps the alien beings did more to her than just study her. However, she also lived out her days convinced that there was an implant that was placed inside of one of her sinuses making her feel like a tagged animal. She had become little more than a terrified example of the local fauna. Sandra Larson was forced to forever search the skies and wait for the unavoidable return of her intergalactic persecutors. Wow, that doesn't sound very fun. No, so whatever did happen that night pretty much messed up the rest of Sandra Larson's life. Absolutely. The story started out that she was looking to become a real estate agent. She was going to make great strides in her future with her daughter. And then it just turned into this. So for those of you who may have enjoyed the Larson incident, I did have some recommendations for you. Regarding movies, I picked out a few dealing with alien abductions and repressed memories to keep you up tonight. First is the UFO incident made in 1975 that I mentioned earlier. This starred James Earl Jones as part of a married couple that undergo hypnosis in the early 1960s, which unlocked memories of their abduction by extraterrestrials on a lonely road. So this is a movie that they said that Sandra Larson got her inspiration for her incident. Wow. And we're trying to claim that that's why this movie proved that hers was false. Yeah. And it is a great movie. Second is Communion from 1989, starring Christopher Walken, who is returning from a weekend stay at his woodland cabin, but is haunted by memories of strange lights and gray faces in windows. In the movie, and under hypnosis, he recalls his abduction at the pale hands of aliens. So this is another movie that deals with someone who doesn't have memories of aliens, but under hypnosis, starts to recall what had happened to him. Right. Then, third and last choice is a movie called The Fourth Kind from 2009. This is starring Mila Jovovich which is apparently based on actual events mixing dramatized sequences with supposedly real footage. Jovovich plays a psychologist in Alaska working with abductees undergoing hypnosis. And throughout the movie, you see demonstrations of them under hypnosis recalling their abductions. So that's your last one? That was my I'm surprised you didn't mention The Fire in the Sky with Travis Walton. I was going to mention that, but that one 
There was no repressed memories. Oh, okay. They that's an abduction case and one that I'm sure we'll probably cover in this podcast at some point. But that pretty much was a straightforward. He was abducted, he disappeared for a couple of days, and then they found him again. There was right. no repressed memories. They all remembered exactly what happened to them. Oh. And nice. that case was them trying to prove that it was aliens that abducted their friends and they had done nothing to him. Right. So Yes, it's an alien okay. abduction, but it was a little bit different because it didn't. They remembered what happened. Okay. So it didn't make my list of three. Okay. Final opinions. What you got? I got kind of freaky. <laughs> I thought it was very freaky, very terrifying. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, I've never even thought about aliens before. I just see them as scientific movies. I mean, you know, science fiction movies. This one is kind of more of a science fiction slash horror movie yeah. story. But, you know, when you hear about them, it's like, hmm, I've never really thought of them being real. Well, there's many people who do believe in it, and there are cases that help support it. Right. Sandra Larson's being one of them. Absolutely. Now, Sandra Larson may have created this entire incident as a hoax with hopes of cashing in on the alien abduction craze of the 1970s. Or... Perhaps she is selling the truth and had to face something totally and unspeakably horrific that forever affected her life. Yeah, that's horrible. Her mental trauma would be evidence to prove the existence of aliens. Or it could be a work of a very talented storyteller. I don't know. She didn't go on to do anything. Exactly. Didn't she even finish her... Real estate. Yeah. So... I know. In the end, it's up to the individual to look into the night sky and decide for themselves what we do and do not believe is out there. Well, being sure to keep track of time, I suppose this is a good time to make our way back out of the mist and bring this episode to a close. Special thanks to David Facilian and Facilian Studios for our introduction music. We would like to ask you to please leave us a review on the podcast provider you are listening to this podcast on. It helps promote our show and we would like to see it grow. We are on social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about encounters with aliens of your own. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast. And we are also on Instagram and Twitter. Plus, we have an email at withinthemistpodcast at gmail.com. For any of you who would like to share, we love stories and hearing about your own personal experiences. For those of you who may need a daily dose of cryptids and ghosts, we have a TikTok channel which gives a few minute clips about a story involving some of your favorites and some unknown creatures and spirits. We hope you enjoyed our stories about the Larson incident and we'll come again for another episode. Until then, remain constantly curious. Goodbye everyone. See you next time.